Today's first Old Testament reading comes from Psalm 42 and can be found on pages 567 and 568 of the Church Bibles. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, O my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you. From the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon from Mount Mizar, deep calls to deep in the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love, At night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Today's second Old Testament reading comes from Daniel chapter 3, verses 15 through 18, and can be found on page 887 of the Church Bibles. Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, cither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, If you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, The God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Today's New Testament reading comes from John chapter 14, verses 2 through 17, and can be found on page 1,082 of the Church Bibles. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. 
No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? Don't, don't you believe that I am in the, yeah, don't you believe The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning altogether. I'm very glad to be here today and yeah, the theme is living vulnerably. I just feel like that a little bit up here. <laughs> yeah, life is vulnerable. When we are well, we might forget it for a time, but as soon as an accident happens, or when a friend or we ourselves get sick, we realize how vulnerable we are. How do we react to that? I think most of us long for security. We are occupied with how we can secure our lives. Insurance companies make a great deal of it. And Swiss people, I think, are known for taking out insurance for all kinds of dangers and risks. But how much security can this give us? Even a life insurance does not keep you safe. The question is, is it always right to be preoccupied with security, not to risk anything, to keep in the comfort zone? I have thought about the topic of weakness and vulnerability for a long time, especially in relation to serving Christ for quite a long time as missionaries among the Karen tribe in North Thailand, we faced many risks in those 30 years. In December 19, I attended a mission conference in London about vulnerable mission. I was invited to give a talk on that topic. It was about finding ways to do ministry without much money and in the local languages how we Western missionaries make ourselves vulnerable 
to the locals, how we can do ministry, not from the position uh, of human strength, but from a position of weakness. We had great discussions about it. But I think it's not only irrelevant for missionaries out in the field somewhere, it's for us today as well. And as Christians, we are quite vulnerable nowadays. When we are confessing Christ, many people won't like it very much. But that is nothing new. We read from Paul, and we'll have three examples out from the Bible, how they lived a vulnerable life. And Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 7, Therefore, in order to keep me from becoming conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan, torrent me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sakes, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties, for when I am weak, then I am strong. When I am weak, I am strong. I don't know whether you agree to that. At first glance, the statement seems nonsensical. How can someone be strong and weak at the same time? After all, one is either strong or weak. And how can strength come to perfection in weakness? Isn't weakness or feebleness a lack of strength? I think we can assume that Paul knew that this is a paradoxical statement. I think he wanted to challenge us to think about strengths and weakness and their relationship to each other. And we want to do that this morning as well. <clears throat> Paul, as you know, he was a suc successful missionary. As we learn from the book of Acts, he received direct revelations from God several times, and yet he often felt weak. He had an affliction, a weakness that hindered him in his ministry. Yes, he says that Satan was behind this obstacle. He calls it a thorn in the flesh. And that is why he prayed earnestly for deliverance. Not once, but three times, until God answered him. Whether he liked the answer, whether God's answer came as a surprise to him, in any case, he accepted God's answer. Be satisfied with my grace, for my power is mighty in the weak. From this, he draws the consistent Conclusion, when I'm weak, I am strong. Not because he loved to be weak, but because he trusted the word of Jesus. 
even when he felt otherwise. For whom among us loves to be weak? But for now, let us take this much with us. Our weakness, even our failures, do not prevent God from being strong through us. And Jesus himself, he set an example to us. He washed the feet of the disciples. And then he took off his outer garment in order to wash, to do the work of a slave. And to take off the outer garment points to something greater. Knowing that the Father has given all things into his hands, given all power to him, Jesus put it off. As Paul puts it in Philippians 2, 7, but he made himself nothing and took on the form of a servant. Jesus leaves behind his power. He becomes man, born as a child, makes himself totally vulnerable. He has to flee to Egypt. He's a fugitive. Later, he travels as an itinerant preacher, and he says, the foxes have dens, and the birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Nowhere to lay his head. To lay his head, to lay, is in Greek, cleanane, and it only comes there in Luke 9, 58, and another time, in John 19.30, where it's, he said, it is finished, and laid his head. Jesus had no place to lay his head until he laid his head on the cross. This word is only used twice in the New Testament. Nowhere to lay his head until he laid his head on the cross. And even before that, he puts on the servant's apron at the Last Supper. Jesus makes himself a slave. And then he says, I have given you an example. And you may remember that story. When Jesus came to Peter, wanted to wash his feet, Peter said, no, no, no way. You are the master, I'm only your follower. But Jesus insisted and said, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. And he points through that story to the sacrificial service of Jesus. We have become part of the body of Christ. Only when we gratefully accept this service of our Lord Jesus can we be saved. Peter had to learn to be served. I don't know how easy that is for you to be served. Maybe if you're a director or boss, yes, then you may have people who serve you. But usually we like, to, we like better to help people. 
than to be served because we can't help ourselves. We can understand that Peter didn't like it. But we cannot earn the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. We can only accept it in weakness. The healthy do not need a doctor, but the sick, the weak. And then we have another example of, from the Old Testament we have heard from Daniel and his friends, especially his friends as they were threatened with death, with furnace, and yet they stood up. They didn't bow down. They made themselves vulnerable, very vulnerable, not only once, but twice. At first, they had learned the language in, at Babylon. They had given themselves totally into that society in a foreign land. They learned the local language and culture and still remained faithful to their God. Daniel learned from the wise men in Babylon and he took an excellent exam. And yet, he stayed faithful to his God. And God did incredible, great things through Daniel and his friends. Through them, the name of the living God became known throughout the Babylonian world empire. Because of the lives of Daniel and his three friends, Nebuchadnezzar commanded Whoever blasphemes the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these were the Babylonian names of Daniel's friends, among all the peoples and people of so many different languages, let him be cut in pieces and let his house be made a heap of rubble, for there is no other God than the one who can save like this. And this only came about because Daniel and his friends made themselves vulnerable in their lives. They were not for security, otherwise they would have bound. Otherwise they would have shrunk away from these dangers. And Daniel remained vulnerable and took great risks until old age. In old age it was that he prayed even though it was forbidden to pray to any other god than to the, to the king. And yet, he could easily have said, okay, 30 days without prayer, that's okay. No, it just was uncompromising, standing with God. He set a great example and trusted God. Now we have seen what leads to vulnerability to weakness. I think one thing is that we know ourselves, that we are vulnerable. That we are weak. We can be healthy and stand here today and we don't know what happens the next hour. We never know. And to know I am a sinner and I need the heavenly physician. 
when we realize problems we cannot solve, that we have come to an end with our own wisdom. We are vulnerable, we are weak. Disabilities due to age, illness, or accident. Making ourselves vulnerable by letting Jesus send us into the world. I mean, we can be like a U-boat, boat going underneath, you know, when we are tomorrow when we are in our businesses and at school or wherever. That makes us vulnerable if we come and let us be sent into the world. Behold, I send you as sheep in the midst of wolves. Is there greater vulnerability than this image shows us? Persecution by the wolves? In many countries, our friends and brothers and sisters experience that. And yet, exactly in those countries, the church is growing. Because the strength of the Lord, the power of the Lord, is revealed in their lives. But sometimes we may experience, even here in Switzerland, more than more, I guess. If you join the March of Life, you may feel a little bit the way, that way too. Paul made himself vulnerable. He said, I have become a fool for Christ's sake. To expose oneself to a risk by trusting in God. To risk starting a conversation about what you believe. At worst, they may, you know, a negative reaction. But often we shy away. And sometimes we are really surprised how open people are nowadays to talk about Christ or about faith. Paul constantly exposed himself to a human risk while trusting in God. Personally, we have experienced, as I mentioned, many risks. And he took the risks. I mean, it's not really a risk to learn another language or two languages in our case. Difficult languages, Thai and Karen. And yet, it was not for our pleasure to do it, but we wanted to communicate in the language of the people. It's nothing new for most of you, but if you try to speak Swiss German, you know, uh, how does that work? If you are, your mother tongue is English, it's probably kind of German-English as my English is Swinglish. <laughs> uh, you are more vulnerable as soon as you are not in your own heart language. And you give the other the honor that he can speak in his language to you. And you try to understand. Sometimes it was very hard. After two years learning Thai, then two years learning Karen in the village without a school, and not to understand or only understand with great effort. And after a year in the village, 
people said, why is it that your five-year-old daughter speaks better than you do? <laughs> this is vulnerability in the mission. And one thing which was very much a vulnerability we would have liked to avoid was uh, when we lived in the village with our four children, we had no school. And at that time, OMF Swiss had only one uh, solution to it, that we send our children to uh, family life, in a big family in Singapore, and there they go to Swiss school. And at that time, we had no handy, <laughs> nothing. We lived outside of any, not even a phone. It was forbidden by the government because of communist intrusion. So we had snail mail. And we sent every week, we sent at least one letter to Singapore, and they sent a letter back. And it took about two to three weeks until we had the answer. So when we heard our children are not well, we could only pray that they were well when we received the letter. But when our daughter became seriously ill, we had to leave for Singapore. And uh, yeah, it was a difficult time. I thought, okay, it will be solved problem will be solved. God can heal. Maybe three months, maybe six months. We lived there for six months. And then our OMF doctor said, okay, I think you have to go back to your home country. Why don't you like to go back? Is it not your pride? Wow. That hit me quite hard. But it was true. I didn't go, want to go back as a failure. Does God use failures? And we had to go back. And we would not know whether we could do our ministry in Thailand again. Our, after two years, we saw that God had really intervened and helped. And we could go back. Before we left Thailand, kind of emergency. I had planned a Bible school, short time. Exactly after Western style, with all the topics and analytical, uh, for analytical thinkers. But Karenna, not analytical thinkers. So, when he came back to Thailand, it was exactly the time when we could use our computer and even write the Karen language. And secondly, we met with uh, a missionary called McIlwain, who had developed a course in chronological Bible teaching with a strong uh, emphasis on uh, history of redemption. And this was a a great thing. He could translate it into Karen and started to use it. And it has been a great blessing. Several hundred people have gone through it 
and are now elders in the churches. And even tomorrow, the next course starts without any missionary help. They do it themselves. But it has been such a blessing even to see that when we were away and couldn't do anything, God was working. And we came into a position in a, which helped the Karen people much better than we have thought what we could do by ourselves. God uses our failures. God uses our weaknesses. What does ministry from the position of power do? Church with great power is in danger of suppressing dissenters. Church history shows that. Emperor Constantine, Christianity was decreed by the state. People were forced to become Christians, otherwise they were persecuted. The Crusades still have a negative effect until today. Our mission from a position of privilege, Andy McCullough, head of the frontiers in London, put it something like this. Serving from a position of privilege leads to patronage and paternalism. Serving from a vulnerable position leads to pain. But making yourself vulnerable can open doors that strength and power can never open. And this is, even with a Christian community like this, the danger is that we want to be great ourselves. But the kingdom of God is bigger than any church. Therefore, I'm glad that you as a church are also involved in missions. You don't expect any uh, wins or gifts or whatever, but you use your resources and God will bless that. The impact of ministry in weakness and vulnerability. If we think of the church persecuted about the the martyrs, or Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He said, the hour of our failure is the hour of God's unspeakable nearness and exactly not of distance. God is near you in your vulnerability, in your weakness. And God can even use that. And I'm convinced that Bonhoeffer has made a much greater impact through his death to this day than if he had continued to live. My mother was an example to me. She had a muscular disease. She was physically weak, but spiritually, she was the most formative person in the family. Her weakness brought her near to Christ, and so she became a role model for my spirituality. It is good to stand by one's weakness. It creates openness and leads to trust in our strong God. As a summary, I may recall, why do God allow us to experience weakness and vulnerability? Paul said, to keep me from becoming conceited so that we may be recognize our frailty to put all our trust in Jesus and live and work by his grace, not by our works. So that God's strength 
and God's work may be revealed and not obscured by our strengths so that we can understand the weaknesses of others and encourage them, not condemn them. As I mentioned already, I cannot speak Thai and Karen perfectly. This encouraged Karen in two ways. Karen's students came to the city and because Karen language and Thai language is far apart, like German and uh, Thai, they could not, many could not speak it properly or not perfect. And some were always apologizing, oh, I'm sorry, I can't speak. And I said, you don't need to do that. It's your second language. It's my second language. I can't speak it properly or not perfect. And encourage them. Yes, just be what you are. And secondly, the church leaders, they could see that my Karen is not perfect, like my English isn't either. <laughs> but uh, it encouraged them. They could speak their language better. Otherwise, they would have said, you do it, you do it, you do, can do it better. No, I said, you can speak. You can do it better. And it helped them in a healthy way. So to make ourselves vulnerable opens up new ways. The Lord can use it. Therefore, do not negate your weakness, but entrust it into God's hand. He can use it to his glory. Do not be obsessed with security. Your security is only in God. But ask God where you have to take risks for his glory. Have faith in God. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Amen. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we praise you that you made yourself vulnerable, that you came to this earth as a servant in order to serve us. You died for us. Thank you. We realize that you can use even our weaknesses to, to things that our strengths cannot. Help us to live vulnerably for your sake. We entrust our lives completely into your hands. Amen.